Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Badastum, Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good. your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that now is the one sleeping while you are sleeping my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode our celebration of latinos in horror continues as we break down some found footage and talk 2007's wreck and whether or not you are a recovering catholic you can listen into our show Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your neck hole. And if you're out trolling on social media, uh, you can find us out on Twitter, we're on uh, Nightmare Junk, and on Facebook, at Nightmare Junkhead, and it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to... Shenanigans! And found footage shenanigans! And as this episode is releasing on Friday, September 10th, over at Screenland.com, they have your found footage shenanigans taken care of indoors... Outdoors. And virtually, and genius. Mm-hmm. I mistakenly said and reported that the Friday Night Fright that would be coming out on September 10th was Don Coscarelli's Beastmaster. Mm-hmm. That is untrue. It's playing this weekend. True. However, our Friday Night Fright is one, oh boy. We have not got enough Crampton, even though we've, we've talked about her and did episodes about her. There's always room for Crampton, so we are going from beyond. Ooh, we're going to get an appointment with Dr. Paterius. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. You, you need a special uh, prescription and appointment mm-hmm. to meet with him. One of the <laughs> weirdly filthy films, uh, ooey and gooey. A sleazy but, sci-fi. Oh, very, very much a sleazy sci-fi. <laughs> so come on out and check it out. Then next Friday... We actually don't have a Friday Night Fright. No, but we got something better. Yes, we do. The very next night on Saturday, uh, September 7th, excuse me, September 18th, we have our yearly Carpenter Fest. Ooh, and this year, the Apocalypse Trilogy. And everyone is always like, well, which of the three do we put together? How do they play together? I I had my vote for another set of three. Uh, however, I am down with the Apocalypse Trilogy. The day, the, the time that we actually have Vampires, Ghost of Mars, and Escape from L.A. for Carpenter Fest, that is when the apocalypse happens. <laughs> All right. I think we're trying to stave it <laughs> off at this point. But no, the Apocalypse Trilogy is fantastic. Uh, we've had the fortune to host it before in the past, and yes, we will be there mm-hmm. on Saturday, talking the films up, handing out some prizes, having a grand old time. But then, as mentioned, indoors, the other repertory screenings are the Coscarellian weirdo sword and sandals film, The Beastmaster, mm-hmm. and a, a movie that is such a mouthful and contains so much like space on the poster, I'm, sh- I'm not shocked that it didn't necessarily find the audience, but come on out for The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward 
Robert Ford. I've seen that. And I've, it's an I've seen that as well for me. But if we are staying indoors and we're looking to the future, it's about that time. Bum, 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 Seven Three more weeks till Nerdoween, Nerdoween, Nerdoween. Three, Three more weeks till Nerdoween, Super 7 Cinema. That's right, kids. It's our seventh year, and we're going to follow along with movies, all based in a movie theater. We're going meta with this one, kids. So bring your masks. It's time for another Nerdoween. That's right, kids. It's time. Our seventh Nerdoween horror movie marathon. Mm-hmm. And it is now technically our second year in a row at Screenland Armor. And because we've been celebrating kind of a year of uh, seeing movies in the theater. Yeah, we're, we're celebrating going back to the theater by showing horror movies set in a movie theater. And we are going to set the parameter that the entirety does not have to be in a theater. Mm-hmm. It could take place in it, but it has to have an important set piece at least to be considered. Right. Because, of course, we do not reveal the lineup until the films themselves play. You won't know till you're already on the ride. And let's just say, um, Genius, you've got two first-timers, I correct? Mm-hmm. There's two first-timers, and there's one that I haven't seen for a long time. But there's one that neither of us have seen, mm-hmm. which means we can't vet it. Right. So we're going to go on this ride with you. We're getting Super 7 Cinema Meta, Extreme Meta. So make sure to uh, save the date for October 1st, because we are literally kicking off Mm -hmm. Shocktober this year. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to hope we are announcing our presence with authority and making the month of October a wonderful one if you're in the Kansas City area. Again, for the entirety, almost every day of the week, you will be able to see a classic film playing up on the big screen. Shocktober's fucking rad. And there are going to You can count us in for a number of films that you just write in general that I will be in the audience for. I am not going to host. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say a friggin' word. But just pencil the date. We don't know when it is exactly. But we've got Zulwaski's <laughs> Possession from 1981, a big screen opportunity here. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to enhance the movie or kill it, potentially. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I'm still debating whether I should go or not, because it's going to be Max Caddy. It's totally going to be... Because you're going to have you're going to have people who've never seen this movie, and then you're going to have like the art film snobs. They're like, oh, this is a movie of wonderful prestige. And, and they're right. But at the same time, you're going to have me like... when they're like, this movie is about uh, the, the problems of the marriage and, and different things in the Cold War. What do you think it's about? A girl fucks an octopus, and so, like, it's going to be... Well, it's got something for everyone. That's the beauty of possession, <laughs> the right? The pendulum goes both ways. goes both ways. I'm a cosplay. I'm a coming as a chef. I got the chef's hat, and I'll be like, that makes me mad! And I just... <laughs> I'd like to think that Shocktober, much like possession, has something for everyone. I will say we go from the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, so we go old school German horror expressionism, uh, and we've got some to uh, new school German horror expressionism. <laughs> we we keep it weird during the month of Shocktober. We're familiar with that, so make sure to Shocktoberfest. Check- <laughs> Put it in the books. Put it in the books. Put it in the books. Make make sure we have a drink menu there. Now, of course, uh, that's going to be held indoors. So if you're not ready to go indoors, they've got a number of things happening outdoors as well this weekend. Uh, here on Friday, we've got a film that we actually did a watch party for mm-hmm. way back in the day when the pandemic first started and they were kind of reeling for content. 
it's that's the last time I watched Can't Hardly Wait. I love that movie now. The movie's so good. Although, like, it's a sailboat. <laughs> and it's a definitely of another time. Another place. Potentially. But then on Saturday, if we're staying, if you can't make it for Carpenter Fest, or if you're like, you know what, I'd like to make it indoors for that one, but I just can't. Guess what? On uh, sep- se- September 11th, mm-hmm. John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China will be playing outdoors. Oh, you're going to hop in your Coupe de Ville and you're going to rock out on the Pork Chop Express. It's going to be rad. It's all in the reflexes, genius. Now, of course, if you are not uh, you know, going indoors and you would like to support Screenland from afar or virtually, go to ScreenlandOnline.com. They have a number of films that you can rent. And, of course, if you'd like to join the Screenland film family, you can have a do- head over to Patreon.com slash Screenland where, of course, of the tiers, including little watch parties that we've been putting together, mm-hmm. uh, and our one that we always do monthly, last Saturday of every month, we do. It's called the... It, the Shutter Shoutout. And our next one is going to be on Saturday, uh, September 25th. Mm-hmm. We're still putting together the double feature, correct? Or No, we- it's Hoopermania. Hoopermania. What are we watching then again, Genius? We are going to watch the quote-unquote Hooper-directed Poltergeist. You better not. No, no. It is He directed it, and it's just a nice collaboration between him and Spielberg. No, he fucking rocked it. It's it's still Hooper's movie, but I know there's going to be a lot of people. Actually, no, it's... Okay. So we're going to do Hooper's Poltergeist, and then, and then, I cannot wait. This is great. I love this movie, and it's coming back to Shudder. We are showing the sexy space vampire apocalyptic... Uh, Patrick Stewart madness that is life force. We are going canon, baby. We're going to close with canon because that is a film that is so beloved by, I think, the both of us. That was definitely another film that we bonded over mm-hmm. early on in our friendship. But oh boy, oh boy. Life force is rad. There's a lot of cocaine on the set of Life Force, and you <laughs> see it all up on the big screen. Now, of course, those two films are going to be streaming on Shudder, mm-hmm. but by joining the Screenland film family, you'll have access to some extra content where we make it a Nightmare Junkhead home version? The home game. The game of games. Uh, no, got... that's not the game of games, unless we start throwing trivia in there. Oh, no, oh, no, no. That's way too interactive. Yeah, That is. involves way too much preparation. But <laughs> we do prepare a customized pre-show, introduction, trailer reel, and... Post-film discussion where we will have the conversation of the power of collaboration mm-hmm. and Steven Spielberg in the early 80s. So to have access to that and a number of things, head over to patreon.com slash screenland. And genius, I'm I'm talking film family and I'm talking Patreon. Hey, belly. We also have our own little weird film family over at Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead. And let's give a little shout-out here to some of the film family members that were at our last Friday Night Fright, mm-hmm. where we, we got very 90s really quickly, a uh, nice little combination of Pop Rocks and Coke. We yes. watched 1998's Urban Legend. We all, our faces were glimmering and clean and clear with all the Noxzema. It was glorious. And, of course, in the pre-show, I had to close with the Noxzema, because, I mean... For it's the Noxzema girl. They even make a joke about it. Like, oh, the killer was the Noxzema girl. And she, sure enough, shit, she was. Is Noxzema still a thing? I think so. I don't know. I don't fucking use, like, cold cream. Well, and that's just it. I, I was a I was firmly in the cult of Noxzema growing up because I battled acne the way that... Oh, I was an Oxyman myself. No, I well, see, I had the Noxzema beforehand and ah. then the Oxy afterwards. 
I kind of almost had maybe a Patrick Bateman esque kind of approach. <laughs> you fucking peeling it and shit. Had like this, like the layers and the whole like spiel going on. The only thing is, instead of like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and me doing crunches, it's like a boner jam of some sort, and I'm just peering over my shoulder. <laughs> That's that was life back in the day there. Uh, but no, uh, Urban Legend was a good time. But shout out to Chad for coming out mm-hmm. his first time seeing it, mm-hmm. which he said he did enjoy. Mm-hmm. But did mention how 90s it was. It it was 90s. It was 90s and ridiculous, yes. Well, then be on the lookout because then the following Monday, if you're on the I've Seen That tier and above, you are going to have access to our new horror release and our thoughts on the new released Candyman. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it twice now, and I've got some thoughts. I want to see it again. It definitely deserves a rewatch. So if you would like access to that and a whole lot more, again, head over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead where we do indeed have every tier from a squiddly diddly to another time. Another place. And here in the month of September, our celebration of Latino Heritage Month continues. Mm -hmm. And I love that we're technically kind of taking a tour. Uh, We're going from Canada all the way. All the way to Spain. (laughs) And this is when we were kind of putting together, especially your list initially, you definitely gave me a nice laundry list to pull from. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And there were a number of films that I know that would have been first-time viewings for me that I know would have made a good episode, would have made good conversation. But then there was one in particular that I knew I really wanted to revisit because it was actually a participant of our inaugural inaugural, uh, 2017 Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a film that definitely is divisive. Uh, it's a film that requires reading, and it's subtitled, so already you know... <laughs> People are going to be like, man, fuck that movie. That's that's why they made Quarantine. <laughs> yes, yes, they did. We'll talk about that. But when I saw Wreck on your list, I was like, oh, we need to devote an entire episode to that. Because when we go into the mouth of March Madness, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how far the film goes, maybe we devote the entirety of the time of a normal episode to that film... But we don't really have the time to D- take a deep bite. Y- oh, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. And then all the shenanigans and chaos that ensue. Uh, but before we get into Wreck proper, first and foremost, I think the most divisive element of the film is that it is found in the found footage genre. Mm-hmm, which normally I'll be like, boo! And that's right off the bat. We know... Not everyone digs anything found footage. And I can understand why. Because, like, I'm not the biggest fan. I'm growing a more appreciative thing. But, one, there's a lot of, like, series that I don't watch, the found footage series. Because, one, I think it's, like, ugh. You know? I think it's... I don't find it scary. And then, two, I find them too disorienting at times. That's so. It's going to appeal to a certain subset of people that I think, number one, don't necessarily have to battle with a lot of motion sickness. Mm -hmm. Because I know that was... That was one of the things I remember back uh, with the Blair Witch back in the day. They were talking about how people were like vomiting in the side of the aisles. Fuck, I almost did. I was hung over and we were at, we weren't at our normal haunts because I remember being like, where the fuck are we? We were at um, the Plaza AMC. <laughs> oh, I, oh, yeah. I, was that for the Blair Witch? Yes. And I was, we got like really bit shitty seats and we're hung, and I'm hung over and like, I'm so scared. And I'm like, I'm so sick. And so like, <laughs> I think from there, my whole distaste for found footage. And so, and sometimes I'm like, uh, but 
I have been proven wrong many and many and many a times with found footage. So There's you, a lot of good stuff out there. Well, and that's just it. So you're, you yourself are not going to go and seek out every found footage film. Uh, there are a number of films that I think you will seek out regardless mm-hmm. because based on... Either pedigree or who's who's done it or like word of mouth. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I'm like, eh, found footage, eh, grumble. You're going to begrudgingly go into it even if it is recommended. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch horror regardless, but like at the same time, I'm like... <sighs> so that, that initial experience then with the Blair Witch really kind of set the tone and the mm-hmm. pace for you with found footage. Because it was one of the first ones. Well, and I remember, I mean, and this is, it's so interesting and weird to think about the generation that have, that have never ha- not had the internet and not had access to so much information and ways to verify things. And back in 99... I'll tell you what, as much as I didn't like the movie, per se, I mean, I still enjoyed it, but I was mm-hmm. just like, ugh, because it made me sick. I drank the fucking Kool-Aid. This is real. You know how I know? Because it took me 20 <laughs> minutes to pull up this site that I found on uh, Geosites, and there's missing posters and interviews, and there's even a TV special about it coming out on Fox. So why would they lie to me? These people died. I'm watching a snuff film. And it- <laughs> was this actually the secret uh, sequel to 8mm? Right, his 9mm. <laughs> well, and like you said, it's so weird to think about the time right in that sweet spot from the 90s into the into the 2000s. Into the 2000s! <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but if it was online... It was true. There was an air legitimacy, legitimacy to it because we still hadn't figured out how to decipher... The internet. We didn't know Photoshop things. existed. Do you think she's possessed? Okay, I guess that's Charlie's first official appearance on the show. Mm-hmm. Actually, hold on, hold on. I've never heard that noise. How did the outbreak and the initial everything start in With rec? the sick dog. Okay, she's right behind me. So if she starts attacking you, then I'm... I'm sorry, dude. I'm out. <laughs> There's a fan behind us. My apologies if you can hear it, but you might have to wield it as a weapon, genius. I'm not sure. Because you've already been bit. You know what I'm saying? It's like the zombie rules. If you've been bit. I'm pretty limber at 45. I could hop over this thing potentially before she goes for me. I can't. I'm like, I'm fucked. And like, you see me on the couch when she tries to lick me. Oh, like, Oh, yeah, you're right. I don't see your name in the Rec 2 uh, spec script. I apologize. <laughs> or I guess it's the Rec Room. Yeah, there we go. As it is Wreck right it, Ralph. <laughs> so needless to say, needless to say, reeling us back in here, I also have a really kind of a weird relationship with found footage films. And you mentioned it a little bit, the fact that because of the success of the Blair Witch Project, the fact that it did not cost a lot to make. Right. It's almost, I don't want to, I hate, I hate what I'm about to say. Because, like, I don't feel like it's 100% honest. But it also, like, it's sometimes, you know, like, you have not necessarily hot takes. But sometimes I feel found footage shit's kind of lazy or cheap, you know? And then that's just my own beef. I'll still go see it and I'll still check it out. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, what? Are, you better show me something new or it better not be so shaky. I mean, because, like, found footage for me wouldn't be so bad if I can fucking see what's going on. And if it's more steady. And... Again, I have been proven wrong numerous times. This one is a great... I fucking dig the way that they shot this. Gags is another one that I dig the way that they shot it. There's a lot of ones that I'm like, okay, this makes more sense. You know, that doesn't feel as like, 
hokey. Well, and that's just it. It really does allow a lot of experimentation in terms of how you are. Did you ever watch the film? It's an I've seen that for me, but I can totally be my way, BS my way through it. Um, oh my God, was it? The found footage, not the cell, not the host. The bay. The bay. The bay is rad, That's dude. The bay is rad about the um about the little uh not the, not troglodytes. What are those called? Um, whatever's in the water. Those little um microbes and uh, um, oh, we find fossils of them all the time. Trilobites. About those little evil trilobites that like slide in the water and yeah, that was cool. I liked that one. So I should see that one out. Yeah. But I remember reading the whole premise of and and I think what. And again, one of those things that you have to check off for you, genius, is why are we still filming what's going on at this point? Mm-hmm. You know, with the the fact that most found footage films are horror based, there has to be a reason. Reason why? That's another like. Is that is Diary like, of the Dead? I did not like at all, and like it hurt my heart to not like a Romero movie. You know what I'm saying? I haven't watched it for that very reason. Yeah, uh, and it's. I, ki- I kind of want to watch it just to experience it. Mm-hmm. I need to give it another shot, you know? I mean, because like, this was back in the day, and I'm like still grumpy about things, especially found footage, because I haven't been proven wrong as much then as I have now. So now I'm a little bit more open to found footage, especially with things like Digging Up the Marrow and like all these other found footage that are like take unique spin as opposed to somebody running in the woods shaking around things. Well, it, for right off the bat, I even remember going and seeing Cloverfield in the theater. Yeah, me too. And poor Amy didn't realize it was a found footage film, and she literally had to keep her head down the entire time and was kind enough for me to sit through it. And I, I didn't describe it to her, but she could hear. But I, I was just like, well, this is very cool and interesting. But the whole aspect of the cameraman in this case, you're just like, I'm not yeah. really sure. I, so, and even though like, I like the subway scene, and like I was like, come on, man, I want to see more monster. Yeah. It's a kaiju movie. I want to see kaiju smashy smashy. But it is found footage, so you have to, you're restrained immediately, mm-hmm. but you're at the ground level. And that's the thing I like, I think, with a lot of the found footage films, is kind of the level and feeling of intimacy, because it's, a, it's all point of view. But we had that in Shin Godzilla. Yeah. yeah, I mean those yeah. those brief those brief moments in Shin Godzilla were terrifying. And if they would have like done that kind of found footage towards like uh, towards Cloverfield, I mean I'm not trying to throw shade on on Cloverfield because I mean I'm not the biggest. I liked Clover Ten Cloverfield Lane significantly more, That's but. Fair. If like that part of Shin Godzilla, that found footage aspect in the beginning, that fucking terrified me. I'm like, holy shit! If they would have done that with Cloverfield, it would have been a totally different story. But yeah, and it, I always uh, it's, I, when you mention Shin Godzilla, it just puts a smile on my face. Seriously, that was such a great month and a yeah, great bookend with those Godzilla. Films. Oh, I got the next one planned too. Even better, even better. Uh, no, I agree. I think if we establish a number of things with the, within found footage, again, if we actually have legit camera people behind the lens and legit cinematographers mm-hmm. where there is reason and it makes sense why you're doing this like even even there wasn't really a lot of there was in gags for example they still had the dash cam aspect for mm-hmm. found footage mm-hmm. they had the security cam found footage they had uh, the cameraman found footage version and all of them worked well it, the, the gags is a great example on how you can have a found footage movie even with those different styles and show how to do it correctly where you can still follow along the story still get freaked out and still see as minimal as possible but still have great scares yeah and it's movies it's- like that that I'm like okay cool and it's movies like this 
Because I think I even said, now, this is how you do a found footage movie. It makes sense. It fits along why the camera is looking so good. The shots are so fluid and so well because we are behind the lens of a trained camera photographer. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it's able to show off a little bit more uh, cinematography chops. And, it's not, and that's another thing. Like I have a beef with found footage and shaky cam fight scenes. Like in action movies... I want to see what's going on. Now, I don't mind theater of the mind aspect, but when I can't see because everything is either fast edits or running around or shaking, I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. Well, and there are those phases that the, the big um, big genres will go through where I think thanks to things like The Born Identity, a lot of action films did have the shaky cinema. And then things like The Raid took prominence and they took time to actually back away so you can see it and mm -hmm. take in everything. But found footage, you don't have that discipline. You know, the idea is it's going to be chaotic. It's yeah. not going to be cinematic potentially, but depending on the pedigree behind the film, they can make it work like gangbusters. So let's go back. Uh, this did come out in 2007, co-directed, and this is what's fascinating about the fact that this thing, this this film spawned a franchise first right. and foremost is Four amazing. Four movies deep. Uh, but uh, Wame, Balaguerro, and Paco Plaza co-directed and have their imprint at individually or together throughout all four films. Mm -hmm. And it is that unique voice and talent and the way they definitely balance everything yeah. and then maintain such a level of chaos. And I even mentioned Throughout. it. This is an 84-minute long panic attack. And that is a perfect analogy for me because I was flipping out. I was like, fuck, shit. I mean, I was cussing. And I was like, am I a curse word psychic? Because when I would curse, like the, pe the people would say, fuck. And then, like, and so if I'd say shit, and then all of a sudden, shit. And I'm like, goddamn, this is hitting hard. But this is their franchise. I mean, they wrote and directed all of them. So, I mean, they, and it's great to see that. It's almost mm -hmm. like they're, it's their Victor Crowley. Mm -hmm. You know, they had some part to do with everything. Well, there is something to be said about the horror that comes from Spain. And be it uh, overtly bloody, be it more psychological, mm -hmm. it terrifies me. It gets me to my core. And I even remember hearing some of the hype mm -hmm. back in 2007 because I was really big on the movie websites at the time. Right. Do you remember any of that? Oh, yeah. I was remember I was on uh, Ain't It Cool and checking it out like, oh, this is a scary found footage movie and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like... Okay, well, and I was going in my pros and cons. I'm like, well, pro, well, it's it's a zombie movie. I dig that because they like said it's but, a found footage zombie, but it's not. But couldn't it be though a total double negative? Because if you want to talk about the kind of films that people shoot on the on the cheap, on the cheap. But see, I'm I love zombie movies, That's and very, and yeah, so like yeah. okay, but then like oh, it's a found footage movie, and I'm like ah, so that goes in the con section. Oh, and it's from Spain with subtitles, and I'm like, at that time, I was like. I was more like, eh, I'll check it out, more apprehensive. But now I'm like, fuck, I don't give a shit about it. In fact, I prefer sometimes subtitles, but at the time, so I was like, it's a middle of the road. Yeah. But when I saw it, I didn't see this. I hate to say this, but I reversed engineered <laughs> this from the remake. Intro, no, that's okay. Yeah, I went, I saw Quarantine first, and then I was like, okay, so this is what Wreck is. Let me see finally. Because it was a, a Spanish movie, and sometimes the, it would, they're really hard to find. Well, do you remember when Quarantine came out? Because was it? Only, I saw it in the theater. Was it two thousand and was it? It was really. It was. It was, it was one of those. It? it would not survive our remake. Um, a year later, in two thousand and eight. Yeah, it's oh, like what totally. they're doing with Busan. It's yeah. like what they did with um, 
let me in, let the yeah. right one in. It's yeah. like one of those unnecessary Americanized remakes, and it didn't add anything to the story. It it didn't it didn't detract, but it's definitely not as good as the um, original in a lot of different aspects. Although I will give one thing, the uh, quarantine did better than this movie, and we'll get to it at the later on when we talk about it. Okay, it's one of my beef. It's one of my beefs with this movie, uh, not beef, but like gripes. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, so when I saw this, the quarantine, I'm like, this is fucking great. This is scary and fucking intense. Then when I saw the original, I'm like, God damn, this is even more. And like, I don't think I don't know why this isn't in my more regular rotation. You know, when I'm watching it again, and this has probably been about three years since we watched mm-hmm. it since. Four. Well, no, actually, yeah, Four. a lot longer than mm-hmm. that, definitely. I kind of had the same feeling because I was scared. Mm-hmm. I was entertained. I was never bored. No, and it's quick. And I was, y- it's fucking quick. The brutality and the brevity of this film, I think, sells me because I don't know how much longer I could maintain Mm-mm. that level of anxiety <laughs> and terror and... The jump scares in this film, and that's work another, so oh, well. And that's another thing I think that can put people off are cheap jump scares. Yeah, I believe these are well earned. See, people can't don't differentiate between cheap jump scares and well earned jump scares. They just hear the term jump scares and they just totally dismiss it. You can have a fantastic movie with well earned jump scares, and that's what this had. They came out of nowhere, and they were all genuinely terrifying, and they all made sense in the narrative. It was never like, hey, where you been? You know, and like, oh, shit, cheap jump scare. Now, and do you think then just the way they were able to kind of balance everything? And the other thing to keep in mind is now thinking about the, the movie as a film is the, the level of intensity that the act, actors have to put on and just the level of choreography that has to happen mm-hmm. and make it look all natural. It just I, I'm just thinking of how many different ways a movie like this can really go wrong, but it excels in just almost like every way, except for a little bit of your, 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 your beef there at the end. But I do remember hearing the initial hype, and I re- it was a, a very intense first-time screening. I'm going, I'm going to probably ex- be exploring more of the franchise. I've... Only seen bits and pieces of two, three, and four. Ooh, I like them. I like them. I've seen. I've seen. I, it's been a minute since I've seen two, three, and four. I've definitely seen one more than I have seen the others. That's almost with every fucking franchise. But I remember enjoy, enjoying them all really, really well. And even when it kind of took a turn, because in number four, not saying it's a horror comedy, but it definitely one, it loses the uh, found footage aesthetics, and two, there's definitely more jokes. But it's still a really fucking cool. Well, and I know zombie quote unquote, and it's on the Z's, right? Yeah. Well, and I know they co-directed the first two, and they individually uh, directed. No, three is the boat. Three is the boat. Four is the boat. Four is the marriage. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, and that it does. You kind of have to put a little variety, I Mm -hmm. think, in something like that. But even if we just had the individual film itself without the franchise, this is kind of an all timer, is it not? Oh, it's fantastic! But I don't know if I can call it a zombie. It's 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 a it's a Can't listen. well it's a, okay yes it is a zombie because the people die and then get resurrected. If you if we want to break out like our little web Marion and Webster's of horror dictionary on right. what truly is a zombie film, that's why there's so many sub genres mm-hmm. in the zombie genre. I don't know if like th- would this be considered a voodoo zombie because even though it's not technically voodoo, it is religion based. 
that would go in that particular subsect. So you could go with like Fulci zombie, technically, mm-hmm. with something like that, or like white zombie. And this is a running zombie. And yes, so this it is. is his own set. So fuck all that noise. Well, you know, when you look at the Venn diagram of zombie films with this movie, there's a lot of overlaps. Mm-hmm. But and that's why I think a movie like this could fail spectacularly because of all the baggage that is lined up with it. Fan yeah. footage, zombie, uh, uh, you know, subtitles. The, the variety religious of aspect yeah. of oh it my God. just fucking the whole like yeah on paper this should not work but yet here we are like years later still having a heart attack at this fucking movie and a film that neither of us are naturally gravitate towards to so that which is mind-boggling because yeah, like goddamn this is a great zombie movie it's it speaks to the power of it um we start from the get-go with the gimmick that we are watching a film this uh, while while you're sleeping, like a little like a 2020, but like late night, which is, and it just opens up like that. Uh, no no credits, no nothing, just like boom, like holy shit, okay. Found footage, found footage. Here we are at the fire station, and Manuela Velasco, she's awesome. Yes, she is in this movie. We always talk about the journeys that the characters go through. Good Lord, have mercy. You want to talk about from going from just having like. Fire, fireman shenanigans, uh, hoping, hoping maybe you get a call for something to shoot. To being live on the scene reporter and like then being like, spoilers, fucking final victim. Well, it's, I think it's in the trailer, is it not? Yeah, that I think final so. Shot? I think so. They don't tell you all that's going to come right before it, though. Mm. But the thing about it is, for as brief as this movie is, it takes about a good 10, 20 minutes, no, 15 minutes to set up like the day of the life of the fireman. And I enjoyed that. I found it fucking interesting. You know, I was like, and I'm sure you have a lot more insight on how that really goes. But like at the same time, I was like, this is, I would watch this show. I was having a blast with it. You're not joking. I, I have to imagine they probably have so much footage potentially that they shot with that because I believe a majority of the firemen we see were firemen and as genius said yeah my dad was a firefighter and i grew up with firemen and let me just tell you something you talk about shenanigans <laughs> oh lord when stuff isn't going on they have their time to fill don't get me wrong but then they need time to fill and firefighters like to mess with you <laughs> whether you are the, the captain's son i cannot tell you how many times they would jump out of lockers when i was walking around the place the fact that you're the captain's son almost instantly put a target on your back good thing i wasn't the captain's daughter right <laughs> that's a different kind of target <laughs> on your back that's a different kind of target at the back but uh, but no i distinctly remember they used to mess with my dad um, and this was they would do like short cons and long cons at one point they were putting together a they were building them a fire station. This is now keep in mind, this is like late 80s, early 90s. But they were building a fire station somewhere in Overland Park, and they had to stay in a double wide trailer while they were waiting for everything to put together. They had like a garage right next door for the fire trucks to roll out, blah, blah, blah. My dad had the really nice thing as the the chief at the time. Well, they at some point or another, at one point or another, had installed an IV drip to go up through the wall through the ceiling and through to hang over the ceiling that was supposed to drop like every two minutes, whatever. Fucking Chinese water torture? <laughs> Fucking. So apparently, and then also, also, they had taken out the box springs of his bed and replaced it with a coffee can. So the idea was he would fall over one way for one short term and then the dripping 
would commence with the with the again shenanigans. Shenanigans. What now, were they the firemen are stationed Delta Delta Delta? Like what? <laughs> here's the best part though. Did like the crusty commandant have to come and like if you guys don't behave? I think my dad was the crusty captain. <laughs> but but the best part best part was apparently he <clears throat> knew of the shenanigans. So before like jumping into the bed, he literally lifted up and saw it, calmly replaced it, replaced the IV thing. He realized probably like an hour later, he could hear them all on their like hands and knees crawling through the hallway to listen to see if he was like getting the water to drop. Mm-hmm. And eventually he like turned and scared them. Good. But, like those are the level of shenanigans with firefighters. So <laughs> if we did an entirety of a series with those firefighters, fuck yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'd watch and, like and not on the street. I don't want to be stereotypical. But they're Spanish firefighters. So the only heat they can is the unquenchable heat of lust. Because, like, think about it. It was funny. They're like, <laughs> when they're on the mess hall, and she comes in, and she's fucking adorable, right? And they just start beaming, right? And they're like, yeah, we're going to go. Like, hey, I want to go, too. Hey, we can, we can run. We can go help you. If you need anything, we're right here. <laughs> and, like, when they're all fixing their hair and getting all, like, ready and shit. And I'm like, mm-hmm. The only thing these firemen cannot quench is the heat of the loins. Oosh. <laughs> That's the last bit of levity you get with a movie like this. And I think that's why we were longing for it because there was one more part that fucking cracked me up in it. And it was the, the interviews. Oh, oh, we'll get to the interviews. Oh, my God. The interviews were... Interviews were hilarious. They were, that was what you needed. What you needed because without it, like you might have a heart attack. Those little brief moments of just like, okay, I can breathe. They were well placed. Mm-hmm. They were absolutely well placed. But the fact that... You've got the little cuts of just them showing kind of the boredom of a normal firehouse. Yeah, just like we're waiting, just like sitting like, okay, maybe hopefully we'll, something will happen. You know, it's just a normal night. Like, yeah, normal nine times out of ten, this is the normal night. Like, ah, just want something exciting. Careful what you fucking wish for. Good Lord, you're not kidding. Because, <laughs> and from the get-go, you actually, the way they ramp up and they vamp up the anxiety and the tension the misinformation and the chaos of not knowing. Mm-hmm. And also, seeing that we're watching this in 2021, my oh my. So many impressive things. I mean, the fear of contagion and like, first of all, it was scary as shit when they're like, okay, the health department has ordered this house or this apartment complex quarantine. Like, fucking the health department. Fuck all that noise. And then the whole, again, the misinformation and not knowing and then the finger pointing because all of it, the paranoia, once they found out it was like a virus thing or viral thing or something, they were like, okay, you know what? I think it was, I think it was the Asian family because they eat raw meat and like, no, it was your sick kid. No, it was your old dad. And it's just like blaming everybody as opposed to like, okay, how in the fuck are we going to get out of here? It's like they devolved before they got bit. Yeah, the prejudice prejudices immediately prevailed. And like, yeah, and that's what's great with a zombie film. And I think one of the things, again, that we check off in terms of what we want to look for for a zombie film is that it can serve as a metaphor or an analogy for the way certain societal things are going on. And when you talk about just the infighting, the back and forth, a really good zombie movie can make sure that it's, you know, they're on the periphery for the mm-hmm. most part. It's the people that are involved are the danger. And like you said, from the get-go, you see how quickly we break down and form these just little subsections. And it's tragic, and it's it's terrifying, and in a lot of ways, it's kind of from ripped from the real-world headlines. Mm-hmm. So this is something that we can see happening. The shots 
of the plastic coming down. That was scary. I mean, first of all, to know that you're you're being quarantined because of the health department, well, well, and they're like, they're even they're like, it's they said they're calling in BC one oh nine. Like, what's BC one oh nine? It's like it's either a chemical threat or a nuclear threat. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's first of all terrifying in itself. Then you start adding in zombies. That's even more terrifying. But yeah, when they're coming down. Or worse, it's like when they're at the window and then they have the guns point back away from the window. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Back away. And it's like, oh, God damn. Well, let's just say that the sound of dogs actually did make Charlie uh, respond a few times, which was kind of great. <laughs> no, I agree. And it's just that sense of hopelessness mm-hmm. because you're just, you need, you're just looking, number one, for an answer, for some sense of order and all the chaos that is going on. But the bad thing is, at one point, you turn to me and go, they're right, right? And I'm like, yeah. they. Unfortunately, they are, you know? Fucking burn that building down to the ground. I mean, I hate to say it, but it sucks because we're on the other end of the coin and yep. seeing all the chaos. And But at the same time, you don't want this to spread. I mean, it's one of those ones where you're like, yeah, I can see that. But God damn, this well, and, is dour. And every life that is lost is tragic. And that's what this plays on the tragedy of that. Because the people that are behind are like, I don't care about the greater good. I want to live. Right. And these aren't people you want to see die. No. These are just random. An old couple, an immigrant family, a fucking uh, a wife and a, a, her sick daughter, a fucking old lady. I mean, just all these people, just random ass old people. That you know are going to get fucked up, and it's unfortunate that they're going to get fucked up, especially like the sick and the elderly, because they can't run. And uh, until they become a zombie, then no fucking holes are barred. They're at you like they're fucking nine, like nineteen diggity two again. Do you think Plaza and Balaguerro are Stephen King fans? Possibly. Yeah, well, it makes sense in the zombie apocalypse. Old people and kids are going to get off, and like same thing with fat people. I know I'm toast, especially the running zombie ones. Especially not knowing, and you're in your own home, mm-hmm. and that shit's going down, and you have no clue what the fuck's happening. Then they cut the cell phones, they cut the power, they cut the internet, they cut every form of outside communication. Not only would I lose my shit before zombies, but then you add the fact that there's running zombies, I might as well just give up right fucking there. I'm going to go down swinging, but I ain't going to go out running. So, <laughs> so is that why maybe this film does tie into some true fears for you potentially? Especially because they have to fucking run up the stairs. I'm like, goddamn! If I don't have a heart attack because of this movie, I would definitely have the heart attack of running up the stairs. Fuck all that noise! I was exhausted after this movie, and and then by the time we find like the, the religion and the Catholicism and everything involved, it's like, oh my god, it's like hitting the trifecta, of everything. right? Like, fucking being chased by nuns and priests is terrible, terrible. They're, they're, they're really kind of uh, tying into a number of specific fears, uh, depending on how you grew up. Oh, especially in, in Madrid, especially in Spain, because that's like the birthplace of Catholicism. And so... <laughs> Do you think this is a film that could potentially be seen as blasphemous because of that then? Mm, no, because it's the devil. Yeah. It's the devil. It's demons that are causing this, not necessarily like the wrath of God. Well, there were multiple moments in the movie where we also responded going, okay, whatever we just heard, that's terrifying. Yeah. And we're talking about the things that you hear while they're in the stairwell coming from above, and they are just... They're not even demonic. They're they beastly. They're they're kaiju uh, roars is what they sound like. And I'm like, that's not a zombie growl. I mean, it'd be different if someone's like, Rawr! and yelling or trying to be a zombie like in, in uh, One Cut of the Dead yep. when the drunk would wake up. Rawr! 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 Right? But like these fucking things sound like something you would hear on like scary Halloween sound effects. 
I was just saying something that you would normally have to plus play play on a reel to reel to get out. Yeah, it was fucking. And then again, speaking of playing on reel to reel, whenever fucking ill shit's going down and you know there's some bad shit, why would you fucking if there's a reel to reel player, why would you fucking play that? You know ill shit's going down because they don't have you as their spiritual advisor. (laughs) Do not play the recorder. Do not read the Latin. You did just wake Charlie up too with that rant. That was even better. (laughs) I have awoken the beast. <laughs> if it starts now, we know legitimately why it occurred. <laughs> no, I agree. In fact, one of the things I really forgot about this film is not only the brutality of it, but also the great use of practical effects. Oh, wonderful use of practical effects, especially in a found footage, because they don't turn away from the practical practicality of the effects. Like when in the, the first real scene we see is this old lady ripping this cop's neck out and the camera doesn't shy away from the old lady ripping the camera's neck out or the the guy's neck out and you're like oh that looks real and it looks great and then again another shot when they put the needle in the wound oh fuck all of those add to the wince factor yes and there's so much wincing going on in this film uh, I from the uh, that first initial kill to the jump scares that we've been we've talked about a little the falling jump scare the falling jump scare fuck a duck I was not expecting that because we're already intense because this lady's like look we need to do something like boom You're like fuck I forgot about him and the worst part is I can see myself reacting the way they are because they just need to need they need a little bit of information they need to understand why they are being quarantined. Why they're being threatened with violence upon, you know, leaving. Obviously, we know something is going on, but just that little bit of information can help. And even by the time they allow the outdoor person to come in and he is just sealed in one of those Georgia A. Romero crazies costumes, Mm -hmm. you know things are bad. Look like he's coming looking for E.T. and shit. And... (laughs) That's not funny, man. That's not funny. That's some PTSD, my friend. Oh, my God. But no... That even adds to the scare factor, to yeah. it, you know? And then they're not telling them anything. They're just having to go on what they think is going on and trying to find an escape. And every time they would go and escape, they'd be met with a zombie or a guy with a gun. And just the chaos and terror that you can they're projecting. And that's, I think, why the performances had to be exhausting. Because this is a movie. They probably had multiple takes, potentially, with some of that stuff. And to maintain that level of terror, mm-hmm. I can only imagine they were looking forward to the days where they're going to do the, sh- the the interviews and this and that. Let's talk about the interviews, because I actually had like the man-on-the-street perspective <laughs> that came up. And we start, and it actually gives us kind of a nice time to really meet the characters. Yeah. And but even before with the interviews, when they turn on the interview and she's interviewing herself, when she becomes like the armed reporter, yeah. she kills it. She's oh. like, okay, this is what's going on. We have no information. Nobody's telling us anything. We're all scared. We'll get two more information. I mean, just the consummate professional. Well, and she realized that, yeah, someone has to document this. Someone mm-hmm. has to verify this because it's going to be really easy. To spin it as like something happened. Yeah. And, yeah. And then they're like, okay, well, we got nothing to do because we're locked in and we're not getting any well, answers, so let's talk to the people. Well, and then also early on, what I really dug, and again, throughout the film, they say, keep taping. And mm-hmm. that is the premise and the driving force. But even some of the characters, when the authority guys, and they're like, stop taping, they're like, no, keep taping. Right. We need to see this. So there's like that level of um, support from the characters and I think, again, the driving premise of the movie. Mm-hmm. But then we get to the When Harry Met Sally type interview, and it's that older couple that 
It was that moment of levity that oh. just made me laugh so much because it's just a bickering old couple that just can't get any of their facts straight. In the midst of a zombie apocalypse, in the midst of you know the chaos that is around them, they cannot help it. The, the old man, can I can I get a word in, please? Can I please? <laughs> And, and she goes, well, you know, it was just something. I don't know. One day I decided to make some tea. I'm just going on this rambling story about her day that like it had nothing to do with nothing. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then even later on, like, we live on the third. No, we live on the second. No, we live on the third. No, I know we live on the second. There's this bickering old couple. And then they go to the um, lady who who doesn't speak any Spanish, but very basic remedial. And, yes. then, and she's like, I, he fell. I mean, yep. I, he fell. Fell. This well, is what we saw. Right? They're looking for like more complex answers. And she's like, I can't give you more complex answers. I don't speak the language. And then we go to who I thought was like going to be around a little bit longer, who kind of made me giggle because he's over there like primping in front of the thing. And then he goes, Oh, a camera. Let me get ready. Right. And I'm like, Yeah, there we go. Genius. Any man that wears a pencil thin mustache that way. <laughs> he was rocking the John Waters, wasn't he? He, it, it was incredible. That is no accident. And the whole thing with him, like, oh, a camera here and me without a stitch of makeup on. Right. <laughs> it's great. And again, it gives you that moment to a little insight into who they were before the lockdown kicked in. Until he became terribly racist. And then I'm like, well, that's where the parallels between us end. Because, like, no. And immediately you could hear Gina's background. Well, I'm going to take that stance back real quick. <laughs> right. You're on right like that last remark stricken for the record. And, so <laughs> well, and, and again, that's where... You see these people's prejudices arise, and again, just the pointing and the back and the forth and the inability to empathize and listen and try to come together. And then it literally sometimes comes back to bite him in the ass because we had that Karen mom with the sick kid who's like, it's your fault. You eat all that weird shit. And she goes, my dad is sick. It's not our fault. And she goes, I can't understand you. Speak Spanish, right? Which was kind of like weird to hear. You know what I'm saying? Well, even the moment where they're interviewing the little girl, and you have the mom coaching the stage her. mom. Yes, just you're just all. And why are you sick? I don't know. Because she has tonsillitis. I'm talking to her. And where'd your dad go? Well, he's stuck outside. I'm talking to her. But then when she's over, she's the one pointing all the fingers. Meanwhile, when the guy from like I guess the Spaniard CB CDC comes in and is like. Um, it was the dog who gave the, and everybody looked at her. Great shot. And then she, even the camera slowly like, uh, and she's like, uh, no, it's just tonsillitis. I couldn't, and then jump scare. And you're like, fuck kid. The kid's fucking gone crazy, gone ham. And she played a terrifying little toddler. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. Um, really quickly, do want to give a shout out to Pablo Rosso, the director of photography, the cinematographer, because there were multiple moments in this movie where I'm like, you know, for a found footage film, that was a great shot. Looking down the stairs and the zombie head popping out or looking up the stairs when all the chaos is going on, there was some terrifying shots. Speaking of terrifying shots, the shadow play in this was fucking grand. Fucking the shadow work was scary as shit. It was, it was great. And again, that's not a mistake. You know, they made that was built into everything. And it's like every shot that you see from the fact when they actually put this, the, the camera down and it's just static, and you just see people in the background and talking. It does give you that reprieve from the chaos. Mm -hmm. and, but everything, though, the, the movement, everything. Even it's, when it's shaking, it's still you can. there's still a focal point yes, where you can yes. see what's going on only when the camera is literally being attacked or jostled. But until then, like it does a good it's, job of keeping the focus where it needs to be. And especially when you're dealing with that kind of POV shot, then that's how you make the jump scares work, and none of them felt cheap. No, they all no. felt they all felt like 
well-deserved and at great, great jump scare timing. Yeah, the timing in this as well, I think, really, really effective. But it is when we get into kind of our third act of the film, again, a brief 84, fi- 84 minutes, that we get the turn where, like you said, it goes from what we assumed were, it was a zombie movie mm-hmm. to a religious possession film. And again, I think that is probably due to the flavor and where the film came from. So this mm-hmm. is why international horror is wonderful because it's taking all the stuff from the elements of their country and scary is scary. And yeah. when they, it worked, oh my God, it's just so, so goddamn good. Oh, I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> but I think. This is that hot take. I think the end of quarantine did the monster in this one a little bit more better. It's kind of like, because I'm intense, 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 intense. And then when we get, then it's even capped off by the visage of the elongated woman moving in the shadows. That's when I was like, what the fuck? And I think that might be the detriment of it, because no way could the, the actual creature live up to what that is cuz she looked like i had a frog face well, in a way the i for i didn't forget about that moment but that is where i did an oh my god i mean it affected me and i do think that was there's diminishing returns from the shadow play well and i i do love though the overall aesthetic of it right me too the, the elongation the otherworldliness of it and it's a guy it's a gentleman that actually plays that character he uh, Doug Jonas? I believe that is it. Uh, Javier Botet, actually. Uh, he is, He is. I believe we always like to say uh, God can sometimes be the best special is effects he long, Is he elongated? He played the hobo in It. Uh, he huh. played the the conjuring. He's the crooked man in The Conjuring. Oh, God. Okay. He's, he's made a career. Of being lanky and weird. A bit. Good for him, though. You know, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that as a slight. If he can be in movies being lanky and weird, fucking more power to him. He played well. I just think, and his physicality was well. I just think the overall look of the the final monster just kind of like, it not necessarily lost me, but I was like, uh, quarantine made it look a little bit better to me. Well, and I guess it comes down to this second bite at the apple at that point and what works. Uh, we did really get a nice uh, Silence of the Lambs vibe. Super Silence of the Lambs. When we go to the night vision. Would you bite me? I, I would not uh, yeah, possess that one. That's... Now, if somebody's radio was playing Goodbye Horses, then I could see that. But like, And I like the fact that there was no music in it. It made no. it feel real. It made it feel real. All you could hear was like the sirens or like the helicopters and like the, and screams and just screams. It's it's terrifying. It's basically if you take if you took David Tell's Insomniac and then just added like a pissed off priest possession and some zombies and mm-hmm. that w- I'm surprised that wasn't the Americanized remake. If I'm you know being honest, it's Fulci's it's Fulci's Insomniac. I, I I would check that out. I would check that out now. Of course, the sequels. Rec 2 completely expands upon it, and you mm-hmm. get into the mythology and the whys and the hows of the possessions. Right. And then Rec 3 kind of goes along that of people trying to, like, okay, it's gotten out. Let's see if we can fight it. And then Rec 4 says, fuck it. We're going to make a fun-ass zombie movie. And it's basically about what happens if the zombie apocalypse, well, if the possession apocalypse breaks out in the middle of a wedding. It's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. And again, if it was just a standalone film, it would be wonderful. The fact that it's just the first of four, 
that very rarely, unlike un, like the Hatchet series and maybe the Child's Play series, you know, the DNA of the films are with the originators. And mm-hmm. there's something to be said for that, just to kind of have an ownership of the films. Uh, other thoughts on 2007's Wreck there, Genius? That fucking kid attack was nuts. I mean, we've <laughs> seen kid attacks before, but that kid was feral. That kid was fucking crazy. And there's something scary about fast-running old big ladies. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, in, in Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, that was a terrifying zombie. This one was an extremely terrifying zombie. It's when they're also in their negligee as well. Yeah. It's almost like one step above old naked Satanists. It is. It is. And it's because of, the, again, the intimacy. And that's just found footage already adds that. Then you add that into there, and it's going to make you uncomfortable. And then when she is also fast acting, potentially, and vicious... Just it's the again so many things added to there. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. This was a scary ass movie, and I think when people are like, "Hey man, give me a scary movie," fucking I'll wreck. Yes. wreck is scary. I think wreck would wreck in the theater. I'm upset and a little jealous that I haven't seen this in the theater. Me too. I mean, one of these days, we. Should, I wonder if we know anybody that could make that happen eventually. Maybe one day. Uh, maybe on a Friday, potentially. Possibly. Possibly. No, this was. Thank you for letting me to rewatch this one again. Look, and I needed to rewatch it. I want to go and watch the other ones. Like I really enjoyed them, and I know there's going to be a lot of diminishing returns, especially on the. Again, this movie makes me look at. I used to love fucking quarantine, and I still like quarantine. But there is no way that this is quarantine is better than the OG. Well, you know what's really interesting though is the fact that again, with the baggage that we're watching it with right now, it didn't feel exploitive because I know, of course, it wasn't made back you know recently, but it also just felt. It didn't feel uncomfortable. It maybe felt it's earnest. Be- yeah, and maybe it's because a year and a half that we've been, you know, kind of going through everything at this point. And again, just seeing how stuff is prescient, relevant, regardless. Um, you know, cautionary tales does not matter. Be on the lookout. Be careful. Take care of each other. And we've got a great new episode coming up next week. We we've got a number of ones to choose from, mm-hmm. so we're not going to reveal the title. Uh, but prepare yourself. Maybe if you, let's just say this. If you've got a luchador mask, mm-hmm. don it. Yep. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. <laughs>